This week's episode is brought to you by Cabrita Goat's Milk Formula. If your formula-fed baby experiences eczema, reflux, constipation, or other tummy troubles, you might have to try a new formula. For some babies, cow's milk formula is too tough on their sensitive digestive systems, and that shows up in all kinds of uncomfortable symptoms. But goat's milk is gentle around the tummy, and research suggests that it moves through the system at a similar rate to breast milk, quicker than cow's milk. Cabrita is a naturally easy-to-digest formula that starts with gentle goat milk, and it just might be the perfect solution if your formula-fed baby has tummy or skin troubles associated with cow's milk. Right now, they're offering Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics listeners a free tin of Cabrita's goat milk. Just email them at hello at cabrita.com. That's K-A-B-R-I-T-A dot com. And tell them you heard about them on Common Sense Pregnancy. Give them your address and they'll send you the formula to try. Offer valid for U.S. residents only. Go check them out at cabritausa.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Flybaby App, whose mission is to make travel accessible and easy for women and families. Forget about lugging heavy baby equipment through airports, stressing about packing, and finding baby-friendly accommodations. With Flybaby App, you can rent everything you need to make your baby feel at home, and they'll deliver it to your destination. Just download Flybaby app on your phone and get ready for summer because travel just got easier. And as a special discount for Common Sense listeners, Flybaby app is offering a 20% discount on your first rental when you use promo code Common Sense. That's flybabyapp.com and promo code Common Sense. Hi, everybody. This is Jeannie Faulkner, and you're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, where we have smart conversations about all that and then some, and where I share you know, some of what I've learned about prenatal care, labor and delivery, new parenting, and motherhood, and about the politics that help and hinder our jobs as parents of the next generation. It's a pretty big topic, and we've got a lot to cover, right? So let's see. A lot in the news, folks. And the number one topic I want to talk about is public outrage and how very, very effective it is. President Trump established a policy that led to the separation of asylum-seeking families along the U.S.-Mexico border. Babies sent to confinement centers, young children filmed screaming for their parents in chain-link rooms, no beds, no blankets. The images and stories have been horrifying. And the American public woke the hell up. A couple weeks ago, I asked listeners to call your representatives and tell them you want them to stop family separation. It seems like a lot of you did. And if you did, then you're part of the reason why Trump had to backtrack yesterday and stop the policy from being enforced. That's a big step, and public advocacy gets a big chunk of the credit, along with the churches, airlines, members of Congress, medical associations, and on and on who said no. The problem is a long way from being solved, though, and those families who have already been separated are already traumatized and may never find their way back to each other again. 
those families and children's lives may be permanently fractured by a cruel policy that never needed to be enacted other than as ransom for equally cruel immigration policies that overwhelmingly punish women and children. Advocacy works, people. Keep it up. Keep calling, calling, rallying, emailing, forwarding emails, and keep speaking up. Also, donate to organizations that are supporting legal services for affected families. Money matters and every dollar counts. Oh, let's see what else is in the news. Pride. My family went to Portland Pride Parade on Father's Day, and it was so much fun to see so many families of all kinds celebrating, dancing, enjoying themselves, you know, doing what we all do at parades. I loved it. So uplifting during these scary times to look around you at an event like Pride and see, you know, that really what we have right here amongst ourselves is pretty darn lovely. You know, representatives of family was everywhere and it was just delightful. It was lovely. Oregon Reproductive Medicine had a float. Well, it was more of a car float, you know, that kind. Anyways, it was good to see them there. We did an episode, it was episode 109 back in February this year with Dr. Scarlotta from Oregon Reproductive Medicine about integrative medicine. And boy, that episode really resonated with a lot of couples. Um, Oregon Reproductive Medicine, they're pretty big players here in Portland in helping so many same-sex couples become parents and grow their clans. Let's see. Well, June is Pride Month, so there's a lot in the news right now, like the June 16th article in the New York Times titled A Family in Transition, Two Fathers and the Baby Girl They Never Expected. It's a miracle story, no doubt about it. And it represents a growing number of families. Read it. It's a good one. Then I got a little homework for y'all this week. Go look for another article that teaches you something about families and parents that you don't know something you don't know much about or anything about. Maybe that's about an immigrant mother, a lesbian couple, a single parent, a family from a very different culture. Whatever it is, start reading those stories and teaching yourself what you need to know to be able to raise your family peacefully alongside all kinds of others, because that's the direction the world is going in, isn't it? I think NPR is doing a brilliant series right now titled How to Raise a Human, What Parenting Books Don't Tell You. And so that's my assignment, my homework assignment to you this week. Go read it. Oh, let's see. <clears throat> when I wrote my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, which, shameless plug, you can pick up everywhere books are sold or over on my website, jeanfaulkner.com. I tried to be as intentional as I could to address parents and partners and families of every variety and combination, because that's what families look like these days. In the fabric of world history, the patch we're weaving right now is very rich, diverse, and gorgeous, but it's also a little bit jarring and abrasive. But you know what? Love wins, folks, and there's just no stopping love for creating babies and families, even if it doesn't look the way you think it should, and even when it looks very different from what you know. Love and family and growth, folks, that's what it all boils down to. Okay, let's take a quick break. We want to thank, say thanks to our sponsors, Flybaby App, a brilliant company that's making travel easier and more accessible for parents. We had a chance to grab Kate Robart 
one of their founders, for a hot minute to get her three best travel tips for parents hitting the road this summer. Kate, what have you got for us? Our Fly Baby top three travel tips for traveling with your little one are, number one, fly during nap time. Number two, bring lots of snacks. They're not only entertainment, but they're also bribery. And number three, rent a proper crib so everyone is well-rested and happy while on vacay. Wonderful. Great suggestions. Thanks again, Kate, and Fly Baby app. And don't forget, listeners get their first rental at 20% off when you use Common Sense at checkout. We're back. And this week, I wanted to point out another good article that I saw um, on June 15th, New York Times titled, Pregnancy Discrimination is Rampant Inside America's Biggest Companies. And it's about the ways many women are treated during pregnancy and after maternity leave in some of the biggest companies, you know, biggest employers here in the United States. Yep. I wasn't surprised when I read it, but I am surprised that it's, you know, 2018, for Lord's sake, and we're still dealing with this nonsense. Um, Let's add that, that to your homework list. Go check it out and start a conversation with somebody about it. Let's talk this out, people. Let's move this, you know, Move the needle in a, a little bit further ahead on history. Okay, I want to dip into the mailbox to answer a fast letter. Hi, Jeannie. I'm I'm newly pregnant with my first baby, and I'm going to be pretty honest here. I haven't always had the best health track record. I used to smoke, though I quit about a year before I got pregnant. I drank too, though not usually too much. But I'm sure I was drinking when I got pregnant and for a week or so after until I started feeling gross. Yeah, I stopped completely when I took my test. I'm a total soda fiend. Diet Coke in the morning and Mountain Dew in the afternoon. That's how I get through the day. I also eat what everybody else eats. Total crap most of the time. So I'm not starting out this pregnancy with a perfect diet. I never exercise and I really wish I could have a cigarette once in a while. But... My intentions are clear to do my very best throughout my pregnancy and when I'm a mother. My question is this, is giving up the cigarettes, drinking soda and junk food enough to make sure my kid is healthy or have I already put too much crap in my body? What else do I need to do? Kendra. Hey there, Kendra. I had to laugh just a little bit at the part of your letter where, um, I'm sure I was drinking when I got pregnant and for a week or so after until I started feeling gross. <laughs> I'm telling you, honey, there are millions of women out there right now nodding their heads saying, uh-huh, yep, yep. Kendra, go you. You're crushing it, girl. You're new- newly pregnant and you're already a non-smoker, a non-drinker, an ex-soda fiend who's improving your diet. That's life-changing right there, honey, and don't you doubt it. A lot of women can't be as honest as you've been and aren't willing to go as far as you already have. I hear you that you're worried about the stuff you ingested back when, but our bodies and babies are amazingly resilient and way more forgiving than we give them credit for, especially when we take a look what's going on and we take care of them. But you know what? I think you hit on something that's really important. important. Your intentions, they're clear to do your very best. That's a day-by-day thing, isn't it? Sure is for me anyway. Every day, I kind of have to recommit, you know, in the morning to doing my best, just like you. So about that track record, you have a lot of friends on that track with you. Women who've lived, you know, like normal, somewhat messy humans, like we all are, who then want to do better as mothers. Now, 
what else do you need to do? Oh, honey, this question comes to me so often that um, I actually sum it up pretty succinctly over on the website. Go on over to jeanfaulkner.com and dig around a little to find my simple seven tips for having your best pregnancy and birth. That's the short story right there. And then go pick up a, a copy of the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and take it from there. Kendra, I think you're doing great. Keep it up, hun. All right, let's take another fast break to hear from another sponsor, and then we'll come on back and talk to this week's guest. We're back again. So we're just talking about smoking and drinking and junk food and essentially, you know, living and the chemicals we ingest that we know aren't good for us, but are also just part of the background of our lives, you know? But what about the less obvious offenders, like the stuff we slather on our skin and paint on our faces? What about the makeup, body washes, deodorants, and lotions we use every day that are chock full of chemicals we don't recognize or truly understand? You know, a lot of people think, well, it just goes on our skin though. It's not inside us, right? Can't do any harm. But, you know, the skin is a porous membrane capable of absorbing all kinds of things. It's our body's biggest vital organ. And frankly, I've always loved cosmetics, but I always had, you know, kind of a natural aversion to certain sunscreens and body washes. I don't use anything that says it's antibacterial and, you know, nothing with a strong scent or a weird color. It's my intention to avoid putting any kind of junk on or in my body that could cause it harm. But, you know, then there's that whole line of natural products in the stores, right? So what does that even mean? And are those safe? Who even knows? Well, this week's guest knows. Nadine Artemis is the author of the new book, Renegade Beauty, and co-founder of the luxury natural skincare wellness brand, Living Libations. She's a gifted aromacologist and health visionary for over 20 years, and she gathers and works with the purest ingredients from around the globe. Her mission is to inspire people to rethink the traditional concept of health and beauty with her paradigm of renegade beauty. Celebrity fans include Shailene Woodley, Carrie Ann Moss, Mandy Moore, and many others. She's a key speaker at conferences and has received glowing reviews for her work in Yoga Journal, Vogue, The New York Times, Natural Health, and National Post. Let's get Nadine on the line. Hi, Nadine. Wow, I just read your bio right before you got the, on the line today. And lady, that's one hell of a bio. How are you? Good. Thank you so much. Good. Where are you? Where in the country are you, Nadine? We are in the lovely country of Canada. And so I'm in Ontario, which is a province just above New York State. Yeah. Okay. It seems like I've had quite a few guests lately from Canada. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Nadine, now that I've read your bio, my first question is this. Who are you and what do you do? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> Always <laughs> is. I'm like, where do I start? Well, yeah. you know, I, um, I'm Nadine Artemis, and uh, I've really spent my whole adult life um, as a botanical formulator, which is uh, on the fun side of, of brewing botanical potions and lotions, and, um, but really taking a deep approach to it. Um, so it's, to me, there's such beauty and health are very inextricably bound. And so I've done a deep dive into that. And um, 
So I've been formulating. I created Living Libations. Uh, when I was 22, I opened up North America's first full concept aromatherapy store and, uh, you know, had all my formulations out there. We had a blending bar and perfume bar. And uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. You know, I've evolved the business format and um, now we're basically online. And I've also written a book on holistic dental care. Um, which I'm not a dentist, but uh, I have teeth. And um, I really thought, you know, us people, us patients really need to know, um, you know, what's going on with our mouths, how we can, how we can take care of our teeth with, um, you know, avoiding the dentist a bit, but not neglecting our health. And then recently, uh, my book Renegade Beauty um, just uh, launched. And, you know, I feel I'm, that's deeper and longer than my dental book. And I really feel like, you know, it's to date all the knowledge I have so far on uh, the intersections of health and beauty and how to reveal and revive your natural radiance. Well, I want to talk more about the book in just a little bit, but when you're not doing your work, (laughs) tell me who you are and what you do. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know it's back there somewhere. Well, I'm a mother to a beautiful 10-year-old son. And um, for 12 years now, we, we moved. We were so happy to live, move out of the city, out of, out of Toronto and into the woods. So we now live uh, up in the country where I used to cottage and camp. And we have a gorgeous uh, forest acreage. And um, we're on a spring-fed lake. And I, yeah, other than being, you know, I sort of feel like my main categories are working and doing living libations, being a mother. And um, then I get, I feel like I am who I am when I get to be and basking in nature. So when I get to like go swimming or go hiking and taking pictures of wildflowers, that's what I really love. Well, that's a pretty good, pretty good lineup there. I like it. So 10 years old, huh? Yeah. That's a sweet spot, isn't it? It's such a sweet spot. I'm yeah. like, how long are we going to stretch this out? <laughs> Maybe a while. Yeah. Maybe a while. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of consider it that it's part of my micro mission to let parents know that the teen years don't have to be all that bad. They'll I've, probably turn out okay. <laughs> I feel, I hope so. I really, I hope so. And I think so because I feel like I really know him. And mm-hmm. um, my teenage years were, I was very, very challenging. I write a little bit about it in the book. And um, and I feel like, so I, I don't know. I feel like I know that mindset. And I feel like, I feel like I can be a different parrot that, that will, I don't know, help bring him through that differently. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These yeah. are the words of a, of a mother of a 10 year old, not a 14 year old. So <laughs> well, I'm, I'm the mother of um, kids. My youngest is 18. So mm-hmm. we're just, we're out of the woods yeah. and, um, and I've raised a bunch of them and those teenage <laughs> years, man, they're daunting, but you know, they really, teenagers are awesome. They're just such incredible people. They're so smart and so passionate and so motivated and, you know, they live in this crazy little world called teenagehood and high school and all that. And that certainly isn't a natural habitat for anybody, but they get through it and they figure out who they are. And, you know, sure, as we do, they misbehave, but you know, that's part of the job of it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You got to see your boundaries. Yeah. Got to see those boundaries. Yeah. Well, I want to know more about how you got into the natural beauty and wellness field. You said you got into it when you were what? Like yeah, well, early 20s? Well, really, 
18 was the like more the adult moment that then carried it through, you know, for because I did get into it a bit in grade nine, but it like you couldn't do much with it then, you know what I mean? Um, I always, well, I had when I was little, like under 10, um, we uh, we had a whole bunch of exposure to nature, and I was deeply, you know, I was always off by myself in the woods and making potions and putting mud on my body and that kind of stuff and just squishing things and. That was all kids do, but I really was intense about it. And then at home, I would, you know, raid my mother's bathroom closet and cupboards and then mix her perfumes and her stuff. And so I always had this desire to do that. And then in my teens, I would, you know, mix up all my own bathroom stuff and put, I make like eyeshadow and lip balm. And I was just doing all that kind of stuff. And in grade nine, we had to do a science fair project. And I found this library that I didn't find, I found a book at the library and it was great. It was just uh, more geared for a younger reader. And you really got a sense of, it was about making cosmetics. And there was a chapter on perfumery that I was really entranced with and I I hadn't made the connection because you know it was in the in the 90s we didn't have green beauty bloggers and that kind of thing right and um and just like oh perfume comes from things (laughs) it's not just these you know alcohol smelly alcohol bottles and so I didn't really get that connection until I read that and I was reading about ancient Egypt which really sparked my curiosity because my great-grandfather had been the president of the London Egyptology Society. And we had paintings of his because he would go on archaeological digs as an illustrator. And so I just, when that was combining with the world of smell and perfume, I was just so enchanted. And um, it said that the equivalent of those distillations that were used in ancient Egypt would be essential oils. So that was the first time I'd heard of that. And it said that it would probably be available at the health food store. So we went to the health food store and found, I found my first bottles of like ylang ylang and orange and jasmine. And the smells were so amazing. And, you know, I didn't quite get the difference between naturals and synthetics at that time, but my nose did. And my nose was very intrigued. So I did the science fair project. I recreated Nina Ricci's L'Air de Temps. That was really fun. And then I got to university and I was really thinking about the food I was eating because then I was really making it. You know, I would have to you know, prepare things. And so I got more involved and I really started understanding about all that. And happened to be skipping school that day and watching Donahue and I saw um <laughs> yes, we do. you know um Lisa Benet was on um talking about you know not eating like any animal products and it was about health and the environment and I'd heard of you know people being vegetarian but I did wasn't a lot of exposure then Again, there weren't like even health food bloggers back then. Um, So it was just like, so I got the book she was talking about. I really deeply went into food and I was, you know, then I went deeply into just never eating um, processed food and non-organic food again. And I got into, you know, farmer's markets and I was making all my own food from scratch and really understanding like more wholesome eating. And, And that just translated, it was all within a month. And I was really seeing that my body shop products, which which was, I thought, were natural. They just weren't, you know, like the the fuzzy peach bath oil had never been impeached. The the pineapple <laughs> face scrub had never seen a pineapple. And I really understood, because I went deeply into reading super supermarket labels and I had a whole book on it. And I was like, oh yeah, like all brands, you think it's healthy, but it's got all this weird fiber stuff in it. And I just translated that to beauty labels. And I was like, oh my God, it's really gross what we're putting on our bodies. 
And so, you know, I, I, luckily I was living on my own at university and had this little cottage in somebody's backyard. And I just totally retrofitted my kitchen with like beakers and, and all these, you know, different raw materials. And I was making lip balm and perfume. So the whole time I was going to university, I was going deep into this. And while I was at university, it was great because I was um, getting a degree in philosophy and women's studies. And then in women's studies, we were like reading our bodies ourselves. I was doing projects on midwifery, uh, looking at the, 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 the huge issues with birth control, doing papers on that. And so really the whole thing just uh, really was intertwining health and beauty and women's bodies and the medical history of our bodies. I did my thesis on, on the female orgasm from a historical and philosophical perspective. And then I just found that really really made sense with a new way of how we can understand and take care of our bodies. You know, I was going to ask you, you know, about the role that feminism plays in our cultural standards of beauty. And it sounds like you've kind of already dived deep into that. Yeah. Even back then, I was reading um, Naomi Wolf's uh, The Beauty Myth, uh, Susan Faludi's Backlash. It really, I was writing papers on it. I was really understanding it. And um yeah, it's, it's so connected because then you're, there's so much about beauty that's a kind of against a woman's body, you know, or we're, or there's so much, you know, most advertising is like, where can we create the insecurity and the fear point so that then we can have the solution for you, you know, even whether it's from cellulite to anti-aging. Right. Um, even though, even that those two words together, anti-aging and, um, I think it is a real women's issue uh, with beauty, and then 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 you can go you can go many routes just from that psychological perspective of our cultural beauty norms and being fed like photoshopped images and thinking that we have to do more and more as bottles amass around our bathroom sink. But meanwhile, what we're applying to our skin, in my view, and and the science that I bring forward is I really feel like, but then we're by many of the ingredients that we're applying to our skin. Um, ultimately, I don't think it's the anti-aging, you know, if we're going to use that expression. So then we're having to buy more bottles because the stuff that we're doing is really damaging us on a cellular level, on a, on a level of our microbiome, which is all the bacteria on our bodies and skin that we really need to function. A lot of people think of the skin as like this, you know, impenetrable barrier, but it's real absorbent. And you know, yes. all of the stuff that we're slathering on, you know, you, you kind of think, and I think that a lot of the medical community is geared towards our thinking that, yeah, it's just topical. It's just on the skin. No big deal. No, mm -hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> Quite porous. Everything soaks in, runs around the body system and does its thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And there's no, um, if we swallow, we have the whole digestive system, including the kidneys and the liver to help process. Right. But with the skin, it's just going right into the bloodstream. Right. There's no processing, which is great for some things like medical things that, you know, you deliver via a patch, but not, yeah. not so much with all the crap that's in a lot of the beauty products out there. Yeah. It can yeah. be really an asset because yeah, we can bring it in like having a magnesium bath. Yeah. Or if your beauty care does have the right thing, then you're, you can be helping and assisting your immune system and your vitality by just doing the things you would normally be doing to take care of your skin and beauty. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned anti-aging and <laughs> isn't that just an, 
oxymoron. I mean, because if you aren't aging, then you're dying or dead. I'm into (laughs) aging. I think it's great. And, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm looking at my mom's face, you know, or pictures of her. She's she's long gone. And what I see is, you know, this beautiful, natural face, just gorgeous. You could see Mm -hmm. all of her facial expressions and all of the laugh lines. And you could see a little sun you know, discoloration here and there. And it really just showed her life and the love that she had for her family and, you know, and for her life. You could see that in her face. And you know what? I want that too. Yeah. Yeah. I want my life to show on my face. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And so true. Yeah. Well, natural beauty products have evolved a lot over the years. And I remember way back when, when, you know, the products were sometimes pretty harsh or, you know, (laughs) as my daughter would say, you know, the 100% natural deodorant, 100% didn't work. So (laughs) what kind of changes do you see happening in the industry? And, and, you know, why do you think that people are suddenly embracing it? Well, I think because of the internet alone, I mean, then we can all communicate and then you can have those green beauty bloggers and that kind of thing. So I think that's just one level of it. I also think there's been a, a huge crafting movement in the sense where, I mean, there's, you'll have like, obviously like commercial beauty realms, big, big, you know, conglomerate cosmetic stuff. And then you have, uh, another realm of maybe like, you know, health food level stores or different brands or even just smaller brands, but they're like in Sephora and not natural at all. And then we have a, there's a pretty huge force of amazing women crafting cosmetics and like on Etsy, you know, having Etsy stores and that sort of thing. So I think it's really opened up and people really understand that it can be a lot simpler I can make a lot of stuff in my kitchen, and I think that's really great. Um, but I also think some of the changes aren't necessarily changes, but it's just changes in packaging and advertising or focusing on, oh, look, we got lavender in it now. So now that's <laughs> And then they dangle the lavender – well, they dangle the pictures of the lavender fields, but there's no lavender in it or it's a synthetic lavender. But th- that's it's, – it's changing because I – because a lot of people are seeing like, oh, people want natural things. So now we'll take the not natural and make it look natural because the demand is pretty high. Or you'll see a lot of the the big conglomerate companies, you know, buying up small brands like Burt's Bees is now owned by Clorox or Origins was bought by Estee Lauder. Or the bigger brands will also start making their more niche brands. Yeah. I, you know, I think it's – I think a lot of consumers are – getting more savvy, you know, they, re- yes. they realize that natural isn't actually, you know, a, an identifying factor in a product. I mean, hurricanes are natural. Arsenic is natural, <laughs> you know? Yes. Avocados are natural too. But yeah, but I think people are, are they're, you know, thanks to the internet, thanks to this uprising of people that are really interested in protecting themselves, protecting the environment. There are a lot more products available for people that are truly legit, naturally sourced. But, you know, a lot of my listeners, a lot are women who don't necessarily have the resources to pick up expensive products online or at, you know, even at Whole Foods. So I'm kind of wondering what are the items that they should prioritize and what can they make at home? Yeah, I often will give a like, yeah, talk about that too, because I feel like 
there's a lot we can do. I talk about something where we go through and we, there's something called stop, seal, and seed. So stopping is about like, you know, not using the toxins, maybe getting a shower filter because the chlorine could be creating dandruff or dysbiosis with the skin. So there's those kind of things. And you want to, you know, not be using like alcohol, like mouthwash with alcohol, that kind of stuff. And then sealing is really rehealing the skin and sealing the skin surface back up from the, the different chemicals and surfactants that have that are really causing havoc with our microbiome and our, and the top layer of our skin. And then there's reseeding. So, you know, you're working on the microbiome and what internally and externally. So to do that, of course, I have created every beauty product you can imagine, but you really don't have to go there. I like to educate people on how they can do simple things at home. And if you, lim- you know, give yourself a bathroom, a makeover, if you put like a potted aloe vera plant in there, they grow so easily. And then you just had some basic things in your in your pantry, like baking soda. You could get a huge bag for not very much, um, uh, like something like apple cider vinegar, and then a big bottle of jojoba, organic jojoba, or olive oil, and like a couple of essential oils if you want to go the next layer of your budget, like frankincense. Um, or peppermint's really handy. And from there, you can really take care of your skin and you would be far, far better off from either the $200 eye cream from the fancy place or the drugstore eye cream or whatever. You know what I mean? So you can really clear it out. And with some very simple items, you could be oiling your body, removing your makeup, taking care of your teeth. Um, You know what I mean? So I do give recipes out for that as well. Are they in the book? Renegade Beauty. They're in the book. Yeah, they're in the book. So let's talk about and, that. Let's talk about the book. Okay. But then I want you to remind me a little while. I'm going to need your professional advice because you mentioned chlorine okay. and I am a daily lap swimmer and I smell like chlorine all the time. All the time. Okay. So, but first the book, <laughs> then we'll talk about that. Sure. Tell me about Renegade Beauty. So Renegade Beauty, I'm so happy it's out because and it's an interesting process. You know, I... I I actually was about two years late because we had a whole fire thing. So that's what? another story. I know. It's great. Like everything gone, gone, gone. That was four years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. But I got the book out <laughs> and what a neat process it was because I do, it, it's like, I feel more whole now that I wrote it because I've got everything out of my brain and organized into a book. So I feel like I, g- I gave it my all and all that I know so far is in that book. Um, and you know, we've got related to this, to this, to you would be, you know, there's chapters on um, this one called Great Expectations, which is about embracing the expansion of pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And we go through that. And then, you know, there's tips in there for like cradle cap and colic and, uh, you know, teething and congestion and earache. So I always go deep into the whole thing. Then we break down into, you know, solutions and recipes there's a chapter at the end of the book called Renegade Beauty Solutions, which is like an A to Z of things from like acne to age spots to yoni care and all that kind of stuff. And actually speaking about yonis, which is a Sanskrit word for vagina, um, we have a whole chapter in the book on yoni care, which is really important. And it's really connected to, to there's a whole microbiome in our vaginas that is so key to have healthy and happy and it's even connected to fertility so there are many reasons for example why a woman uh, might 
might have challenges with fertility, but there's also simply if the microbiome is off, that could be one of the main reasons. Or um, if it's not balanced, then that could lead to um, not a full-term pregnancy. So there's a lot to take care of there, especially just even after having a baby tips for for that area and then there's a whole chapter on breast health uh, which is you know uh, which I wrote as my mother was you know dying of breast cancer bummer uh, yeah um, but I was like I gotta learn about it you know so that we can evolve some situations because it's just there's just too much breast cancer right now and then through really knowing my mother and her health history because uh, that was you know, often something we would do as a hobby, go to the naturopath together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would take her to different things, but just really, but it was just, you know, it was a little bit late. Um, But I really got to see some patterns that, um, that we can evolve and, and perhaps, you know, not have that outcome. So, you know, there's a chapter on dental, you know, the bone beauty connection on teeth and oral health, obviously a whole bunch about skin and the skin's microbiome. So it's really deep. Um, There's a lot of poetry, a lot of science and a lot of practical information in there. I love it. I don't want to give a whole lot away because I really think that people should go out and invest in the book. It's everywhere, right? Amazon, local bookstores, everywhere. Yeah, I mean, maybe not every local bookstore, but you can always call it in. <laughs> okay, and it's easy to find. So um, I know that you mentioned a lot of a lot of things that are going to be pertinent to my listeners. Let's just touch on two things. Um, like I know my listeners are going to want to know about botanical baby care. And you mentioned, uh, you know, like teething and earaches and skin issues and colic. So let's give one tip. And because it's every mother's worst nightmare. Let's talk about colic. Yeah. Well, you know, that does go to, uh, to the microbiome as well. So that's a good pick. Um, you know, it's definitely, it's hard. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, I mean, your, your listeners may be aware, but sometimes it's either you got, if you're breastfeeding, obviously you got to look at what your diet is. Mm-hmm. Um, because just something could be triggering it. it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. It just means there's a combination that that could be off. Like it could even be just eating too much cabbage. You yeah. know, like it's not like which is a fine food. Um, so you want to you got to you know you might have to do an elimination diet, and which is just you can look up that on 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 good old Google. But it's just about like um, you know for a few days not eating dairy for a few more days, and then you know you're cycling through the trigger food groups like dairy and sugar and wheat. And soy, that kind of stuff, just to see where you're at and how the baby's doing. Um, and then you can add herbs to your diet that help, um, that are digestives like ginger and fennel, peppermint, uh, those kind of things. Sometimes people feel that peppermint um, might inhibit milk flow, but from the research I've done, I haven't really seen that to be really have any standing. Um, but always use your intuition because everybody's are different. And then you want to really um, bring in a lot of like fermented foods, like, you know, sauerkraut, different things, really up probiotics because the, your microbiome as a mother at, right after the birth go, you know, is doing somersaults for a number of different re- reasons. And if by chance you've had a cesarean section, um, that can, that does affect the baby's microbiome. So, um, you know, as we all know, ideally you want to 
have a child through the birth canal because that's where it's getting its initial inoculation of the maternal microbiome. Mm -hmm. And so that white waxy vernix sheath is this sort of probiotic patina. And that unfortunately is also getting washed off too fast, Mm -hmm. like right away. And you really need that on that coating on the skin. And if by chance you do need a cesarean section, um, because sometimes obviously it just can't be helped, then what they're doing now is taking a swab of from the vagina and also putting that in the baby's mouth and on their skin so that they're getting sort of a handmade inoculation. Because if if there is a cesarean section, then the baby, the baby's skin is colonized through the ambient bacteria, Mm -hmm. which is just the bacteria in the room or the doctor, rather than the the maternal microbiome. And then the whole, you know, the whole design, the human design is then to be breastfed, which our breast milk contains over 200 oligosaccharides, which is, which was always seen as this indigestible starch. So nobody was like, well, why is it in there? And now we know it's this prebiotic and a prebiotic feeds the probiotic. So it's further activating what I think of as our soul starter culture. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's activating that and giving it's like, um, you know, activity. And so, you know, if you have to do formula, then then you're not getting the same digestive activity that you want. And so it's very safe to give um, babies probiotics. Um, the work of doctor, I'm not, she's not a doctor, sorry, of the work of Donna Gates is key. And she'll have blog articles all about like, um, you know, what, what strains you can give the baby and how much and that kind of thing. So it's very, because probiotics aren't really like, they're more of, they are a supplement. It's, you know, it's sold as a supplement, but it is more of a food in a way. So it's very safe. And then if it is formula, I mean, that could be one of the triggers too, you know, because soy can be very disruptive on the stomach. So those are things there. And then um, probiotics. And then you can also make a colic calmer, which is a a little blend with um, jojoba, Mm -hmm. or you could use olive oil. And then you can add in um, some basic essential oils like chamomile or lavender, cardamom ginger and then you can massage the baby's belly or even massaging the feet or there's an uh, acupuncture point around the uh, the knee that's very good for digestion and that can clear it up right like pretty fast sometimes yeah well people can get all the details about that in the book um, let's do one about pregnancy mm-hmm. uh, essential oils there are some that are not okay let's just mention two or three that women should avoid yeah, you know, I we get all of our information for that from the Essential Oil Safety Data Manual, which is a huge, thick book. It's over $100 but it, because it's like a scientific textbook. And it's great because it really clears up a lot of the mythology because a lot of some aromatherapy books that have been written just repeat, repeat each other and they haven't necessarily gone into the into the deep knowledge. So interestingly, the essential oils that are should be avoided during pregnancy aren't generally commonly available as an essential oil and um, there's a sage that isn't good and there's a lavender that's not good but they are so different botanically than the lavender and sage that is commonly known they have an entirely different latin name and they're almost like a different plant well they are a different plant they just have the same common name and then the other oils are mugwort and thuya, tarragon, pennyroyal, parsley leaf, parsley seed, oak moss, 
and hyssop, but only the officinalis type, not the decumbens. So I have a list there. We have an article too on our website, but um, so, and we do get that question a lot. So really your general, if you've got essential oils in your body care or in your oral care products, you're going to be fine because most would never have those in it. And, you know, I think we do need to look at other things that would be more harmful, like aluminum and deodorants or sodium lauryl sulfate, that kind of stuff. Well, I, I'm going to encourage people to go get the book because I can just tell by talking to you about it that it's deep and, <laughs> you know, there's information there that, you know, my listeners are smart. They want the deep dive. They want to know more. Good. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to do a little name dropping because your bio includes some very well-known client, known clients who are real in love with your products. And I'm really glad about that because I think that when people use their celebrity to raise awareness about certain issues or certain products, um, you know, like the health benefits of using natural products, I think it gets people thinking about things differently, you know? And yeah. for a lot of folks... The idea that you can choose something other than what's on the shelf at the grocery store, or Sephora or CVS, you know, it, you don't have to be a celebrity. There are options out there. But I love the fact that traditionally um, and publicly beautiful women are talking about it. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that a little bit. I guess it's not really a question. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's really exciting, and and the women that do a deep dive into our products, like the our our celebrity friends, are are really awesome spirits, and they are really passionate about how they're living life on the planet and their impact, and and knowing that they are celebrities and they you know they use their influence for good, yeah. um, and they they do they have good lifestyles and they like to share that. And I think that's pretty cool. One of the um, names that I mentioned in when I got, before I got you on the line today was Shailene Woodley. And I, mm -hmm. I remember, I don't remember what movie she, I don't know. She was still fairly new, but she was getting some of her first celebrity attention. The, the Descendants. Yeah, that was it. I think the Hawaii film with George Clooney yeah, yeah. made by Alexander. Yeah. yeah. So she that's got a little great. publicity about, not using deodorant or something like that. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought that was a great, you know, sort of public conversation starter because, yes, you know, it gets people thinking about all of the different, I mean, she's a celebrity, she's an actress, she's in a big name movie, and she's coming out as somebody who's concerned about the stuff we swipe on our armpits. Thank you. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And she does even a lot of education on set because she, you know, uses our stuff to remove the makeup and put under the makeup and everything. So then the makeup artists get educated, her co-stars get educated, and then we have other makeup artists. We have a lot of makeup artists that love our stuff, and then they're bringing it to the sets. And so it's everybody's awareness is getting raised. And in the meantime, you know, they get to – it's fun because, you, you know, you think you don't have to give up anything – at all. Like when you're, when you're looking at, at switching things around, you actually get to open this door to this beautiful banquet of botanicals. And I feel like then beauty becomes so much more sensual and real because you're not putting petroleum on your skin. Right. Right. Yeah. Nothing sexy about that. No, not so much. The, my, my um, daughters gave me some really nice products for Mother's Day. And one of them is Aww. rosehip or rosehip oil. 
rose hip nice one of those yeah rose hip seeds yeah yeah, yeah. same yeah. <laughs> and um you know i really like it but i have to get used to you know it's it smells like toasted flax seed to me yeah it does see that's where then you you add in the essential oils for that part and then plus the essential oils will help that beautiful oil from becoming rancid oh that's a good idea so i could just yeah. put a couple drops in the bottle yeah, I would do about 5% of something okay. to your ratio to your, whatever you have. Oh, that's Lavender, a- frankincense, rose, those would be all be gorgeous. All right, then help me out with the chlorine problem. I, sw- okay, I yes. swim in an LA fitness pool that is supposedly has more um, salt in it and less chlorine, but I, oh, yeah. I don't I believe I mean. that for but- a minute. There's, yeah, you know, there's a really neat article. Like if you look on Mercola.com, there, anyway, it really explains the whole salt pool thing. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, oh, it's less exciting. It actually is a form. There is a, it creates a chlorination. It's just a bit different. Yeah. And you smell but like yeah. it, just like you Same go beast. to the public pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so what do I do yeah, about it? Because so, I'm already, you know, washing off as soon as I get out of the pool. For sure. So before you go in or that morning, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Like when you're at home, mm-hmm. put cover your body like just normal in jojoba oil i'm a big fan of jojoba oil because it never goes rancid and it's part it has such synergy with our sebum and it has it's actually liquid wax rather than a pressed it's rather than a vegetable oil Mm -hmm. but it will be liquid okay um so just like this liquid wax so it it will seal the skin more so it gives you a bit of protection. And are you washing your hair every time? Every single time. My hair okay. is wet all the time. <laughs> so then put oil, put the jojoba on your hair as well. Okay. Or do you ever use a bathing cap? Oh, every that day. Would actually every time. Fun. Yeah. So then is it, it's not getting wet, is it? Well, you know, most of us that do this a lot, what you do is you um, – you get your hair wet before you get in the pool so that it, oh. you know, all the cuticles on your hair absorb the regular water. And then you put on your cap and then you, you know, rinse it out. You wash it out again right afterwards. Um, the okay. problem well, with if you putting- are shampooing, if you're shampooing, the oil would be okay. But if you're not shampooing, then you wouldn't want to do that. The problem with putting anything on your hair, like it's always recommended that you do, um, you know, like put on conditioner or coconut yeah, oil. Yeah, I was gonna. That was gonna be my next suggestion. Yeah, but then your cap slips right off. <laughs> yeah, it does. I've tried that. It doesn't right. work. It slips right off. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then you're, you know, in the middle of your laps and your hair's going everywhere. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you just, if you have that layer of jojoba, it will protect the skin a bit. What? And then I would just think of like. You know, internally, you could take things like charcoal, charcoal capsules. Oh, yeah? That would help. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we're, we're getting on down to the end of this conversation, but I still have a few things I want to ask you. Um, number one is, what else do you want listeners to know? Mm. <laughs> Any particular subject or just in general? Oh, about art and the meaning of life, motherhood, parenthood, <laughs> politics, food. <laughs> We can think of anything you want. <laughs> what do you want them to know about your products, where they can get it, the book, all of that? Yeah. Well, I think on a general level, it's just good for us, all us women, to know that, like, you know, we can relax about beauty and just dive into knowing it's more of a communion with life and the elements than something that has to be applied. Mm-hmm. And, um, and have fun with it. 
and you know we don't have to be so perfectly pretty that we're perfect in a magnifying mirror you know and and feeling good and being healthy doesn't have to be like a self-improvement goal that's you know forever dangling in front of us so we can all just relax about our beauty a bit more because we're good and, and beautiful enough just yes. right now today <laughs> that's right and uh, that's fun you're in LA we have a store oh, I'm in Portland Beach I'm in oh, Portland. Portland oh yeah I thought, I thought I heard you say a pool in LA. No, LA fitness pool and LA oh, fitness pool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the gym. No, at I the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for anybody in the LA area or California, we do have a store, a beauty boutique in Venice beach. So that's really fun. Cause I know people. What's it called? Going there to, it's called living libations. Great. <laughs> and um, yeah, a lot of people, even our international clients will fly into the LAX airport and do, you know, go shopping on their layovers. <laughs> Um, so we have that. And then our website, livinglibations.com. And we have all the regular social media channels. Um, Instagram's my favorite, though. That's where I post. All right. Great. So my last two questions are these. First one, how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Nobody ever told me that. It's a hard one. It's a stumper. <laughs> Maybe everybody told you. <laughs> it's been perfectly satisfying every day. Um, but I'm thinking, well, there's a lot that people didn't tell me, I'm sure. Um, I feel like I've forged a whole life that people didn't tell me about. Well, that's an answer. That works. Okay, good. Yeah. 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 I feel like, yeah, I've do I dove into the spaces that I didn't know anything about. So then... How would you answer this one? Where are you in your life in terms of motherhood? Mm. I'm just really like, I feel like bask. I'm in a, a good basking moment. I feel like the, you know, and I also feel every day, a new, like I'm a new parent. I still haven't got rid of that feeling. Um, but yeah, just basking in it. And as we, you know, 10, my son's 10, it is a sweet spot. And I just feel like, stretching that out and lying in the hammock of this age. It feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. Tan is sweet, especially in little boy land. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nadine, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it was lovely meeting you. Yeah. And I learned some really practical stuff that applies to me. Thanks listeners. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will talk again down the road. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said, Mama said, Mama said. That's it for this week, y'all. Thanks again to our sponsors, flybabyout.com. And don't forget, Common Sense listeners get a special 20% off discount on their first rental when they use the promo code Common Sense. Thanks, too, to Cabrita Goat's Milk Formula, who is giving Common Sense listeners a free tin of formula when they email Hello at Cabrita.com. Our guest today was Nadine Artemis, author of the new book, Renegade Beauty, and founder of LivingLibations.com. You can learn more about me at JeanFaulkner.com. How do I spell my name? J-E-A-N-N-E-F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. And my book is Common Sense Pregnancy, and you can find it everywhere books are sold. Email me, Jean at Jean Faulkner. Tweet me, at Jean Faulkner. And find Common Sense Pregnancy on Instagram. 
Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sounds Like Pictures Studios. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk again next week.